0: It's the Comedy Store tonight, starring Argus Hamilton. With tonight's guests, Tim Thomerson. Tim Gaither. And now, live from the Sunset Strip, From the bowels of the world's greatest comedy club, put your hands together for the star of the show, ladies and gentlemen,
1: Argus Hamilton! Thank you all! Thank you all! Welcome! Welcome here!
0: Welcome to the show! Welcome to the Comedy Store tonight! I'm Argus Hamilton. I want to welcome, first of all, our studio audience for being here, for being indoors. I want to say stay indoors. I saw the weather forecast. Tomorrow it's going to be 105 degrees in Los Angeles with brush fires approaching from three directions. I read it in the LA Times and in the book of Revelation. <laughs> now the big story this week that everybody's talking about is Amarosa, the fired... White House aide. Today, Omarosa said that President Trump said the n-word. In other words, in other news, the NHL announced there's tapes of Wayne Gretzky playing hockey. This whole Omarosa situation is insane. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Omarosa has been fired more times than a Civil War cannon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, President Trump just can't catch a break. He can't, though. No. No, his immigrant in laws just became American citizens. Trump blames the policy of ball and chain migration. <laughs> <laughs> Now, get this. This is, this is unbelievable. After a fight with his wife, this Utah man today stole a plane and crashed it into his house with her inside it. This just five days after a Seattle man stole a jetliner, crashing it into an island. Hey, white guys, enough with the cultural appropriation. <laughs> <laughs> More bad news for those poor migrant children stuck at the Mexican border. The Philadelphia priests are on their way to help.
1: <laughs> mm, yeah. uh,
0: if you haven't heard, a grand jury report yesterday said that over 300 Philadelphia priests have molested over a thousand boys. Which in Pennsylvania isn't even the record. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's so bad that Jesus just tweeted. <laughs> he wants to clarify what he said when he said, Let the children come unto me. <laughs> uh, oh. And hey, everybody, guess what? Stormy Daniels is in the news again. Yeah, she announced yesterday she's going to be on Celebrity Big Brother. Celebrity little brother will be positioned right behind her. (laughs) Now, this is funny. The London tabloids reported yesterday that the James Bond movie producers will not be casting a black man as 007, after all. It was a practical decision. The movie will be set in L.A., and he couldn't drive an Aston Martin 50 yards without getting pulled over. (laughs) Now, in sports, get this, Tiger Woods came within two strokes of finishing first in the PGA Championship on Sunday. Later that night, he came within two strokes of finishing inside a Waffle House waitress. (laughs) 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 Really? Yeah. (laughs) Chinese archaeologists, get this, this happened yesterday. Chinese archaeologists announced they may have discovered the remains of Buddha in a 1,500-year-old casket in China. Now, Buddhism has been very big in Los Angeles ever since the late 70s, when the Dalai Lama said that true happiness comes from snorting blow off a hooker's ass. (laughs) In Pensacola, Florida, a man was charged with drugging and raping alligators. Now, listen, being 31 years sober, I can tell you, It's a lot more fun without the
1: drugs.
0: (laughs) Meanwhile, police are investigating a man, get this, caught on camera at the L.A. Zoo spanking a hippo. Spanking hippos! I thought they shut that club down. <laughs> Listen, we've got a terrific show tonight. We've got a sensational headlining comedian, Tim Gaither, with us, and a comedy store immortal, Tim Thomerson. So stick around. We've got a ball. A great show for you tonight.
1: I'm Marcus Hamilton. Thank you all very much. Wonderful crowd. Thank you so much.
0: tonight it is a lifetime goal of mine to have this next goal this next comedian on our show he was my comedy big brother he was an absolute legend here in the late 70s at the comedy store he was the, the king of the hop folks he was the only guy that could follow prior ladies and gentlemen tim thomerson yeah. <laughs> thank, you. Right. thank you thank you it's a uh,
2: it's pretty lofty lofty uh you were an
0: absolute smasheroo, and you always looked out for me. You saved my life once in the really? Comedy Store parking lot. I did. Biff Maynard was beating me up within an inch of oh, my life he... for doing one of his lines. And uh, <laughs> you walked out and you said, okay, Biff, I think he's had enough. <laughs> And I'm alive today to tell about it. (laughs) Uh,
2: Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, which lines were those you were doing? uh, Certainly, (laughs) Shakespeare. Oh yes, right, right. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Well,
0: you um, you were—you came—you got out of uh, Vietnam, right?
2: No, that was Blake Clark was in Vietnam. You weren't? And, and, no. You um, were in the service, though. That yes, was I joined the service in 65 when I got out of high school. I joined the California National Guard to protect the coastline from the V.C. <laughs> that were right off <laughs> yeah. there in Santa Barbara.
0: And, and California won the war, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's right. You bet we did. Uh,
0: you started doing stand up, though, in about 69 oh, at the improv in New York? You, well, no, what happened was I started kind
2: of doing stand up uh, down by Disneyland you know, off Ball Road, off yeah. the five, at a place called the Jolly Ox. Really? Yeah, it was a restaurant chain I worked for and these friends of mine said, why don't you go up there and and make faces in front of these people up there and see if you can make them laugh. And I was already doing it in the service because we'd have to go to uh, Barstow because I was in in the guard unit and we'd have to go to uh, Fort Irwin, which is what was a tank battalion, yeah, so they used to circle the jeeps around and i 'd everybody get liquored up and smoke jays, and I'd just start screaming and yelling at, at, at my first sergeant and my lieutenant, and that and I got some laughs, so yeah. you know and uh, and I was always kind of enamored by by stand up comedians, you know who
0: was your hero growing up as a stand up
2: It would have been Jonathan Winters and guy marks and Carson and uh and then when I saw Richard early in, he was on. Uh, Richard Pryor was on you know, Tuna Fish Sandwich uh, who's the guy who's the guy that, that, that where Letterman used to uh, where Letterman uh, saw Ed Sullivan. Oh, wait, I mean, Sullivan when I saw oh, yeah. Richard on Ed Sullivan well, that's on right. that I mean, he was a little he, Pryor he doing Richard impression. Pryor and yeah. I saw that guy's funny and I you know and that's before he became you know the Richard Pryor that we knew Yeah. and then so those guys motivated me and I always thought well how do you do stand up how do you become a stand up comic and and I was always a wise ass, and people were laughing at what I said, said and being a goofball. Yeah. And so, then when I moved to uh, Los Angeles up here to try to pursue an acting career, they, they used to have these showcases around town. Yeah. The, the Ye Little Club. And, and, and you were uh, coached
0: by the great Stella Adler.
2: Well, I wasn't approached by her. Anthony Zerbe was, was an oh. acting guy that I had met, and he turned me on to Stella Adler. So yeah. uh, I ended up studying a couple summers here with her. But during that time, I started doing these showcases. The, yeah. the, the Troubadour had one, that's the first time I saw Cheech and Chong, yeah. and I saw the, uh, 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 Steve Martin, was, saw him yeah. at first, uh, and that was like in 69 or 70, yeah. because he was working for the Smothers Brothers. And then I started doing these showcases, <clears throat> then after I got out of the service, I, I moved back to New York and studied. At Stella Adler, and I started going down to the Improv yeah. and, and going on at last. And, and, and that group
0: of—I remember the book *The Last Laugh* talks about that group of comics at the Improv in the late '60s. You'd have uh, Richard Lewis, well, the late '60s. Now it was '70, 70,
2: '71 by the time I got there, but yeah. the, the late '60s—it had been, well, it had been Brenner, it had been uh, 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 Klein, Robert uh, Klein, Robert Klein, Robert Klein, who was Pre- always still a brilliant, tremendous, today, you know, brilliant comic, yeah, comics. and. Uh, well, I met uh, Richard Lewis, Leno, Boozler. Boozler yeah. was, was, the, was the door girl at the improv. Yeah. She was working the door. And, uh, but I met all those guys, Mike Priminger. Yeah. And then I had finished studying acting, and then I had had enough in New York, so I said, oh, i got to come back to California.
0: Yeah. So. When, when, uh, what's your first memory of the Comedy Store? When you got, uh, the Comedy Store opened in 72, and you got on stage here about when? I got on here, I'd say, about
2: 73. Yeah. Because I I came back from New York in 72 70, 70. Yeah. and I stuck my head in, it was it was uh, Rudy DeLuca and it was Sammy were running the place then, yeah. I just kind of stuck my head in the door and kind of checked it out. Then I went down back home to San Diego and worked construction and stuff and then came back up here to Los Angeles. And then by that time, Mitzi had had been running the place. Right. So I waited to go on, and I did whatever the hell I did back then. I don't. I, well, didn't I don't really time. have a complete until we
0: got on to it. He must have wins. developed it quickly because in 1974 they were publicizing one of the studios was publicizing the movie Lenny right. uh, Lenny Bruce. Yes. And so they staged a contest here right. who were the funniest who's the funniest comic in Los Angeles 1974. I mean the decade The <laughs> like 5 comics back. The, the decade is about to erupt and it's you Paul Mooney and Charles Fleischer in the finals. Right. And you and there win. Was somebody
2: else too I think Kip, Kip Donim Kip might have been that, that would have
0: been he perfect. Might have been, He'd been, He'd been yeah. right in there. But you won yeah. and it and it got tremendous Publicity for the comedy store. Put the comedy store on the map. What yeah, was that it, night it like?
2: was a pretty good article uh, in, in the Los Angeles Times. Uh, Michael Tolkien, I think, was the guy that wrote that. Uh,
0: what was that like? Yeah, I mean, was,
2: well, I mean, it was it was unbelievable for for a guy like me, just, just you know, had only been doing it a couple of years, you know. But but had finally honed to an act and yeah. and had a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I didn't know I was going to win. And, and the judges were like Jack Carter and, and Steve Allen and. Yeah. and uh, the the gal that played Rhoda, and uh, what was her name? Uh, Valerie Valerie Harper. Harper. And so when I won it, it just I said, really? I mean, you know, I remember I had one of those. Big stupid turtlenecks and a big yeah. corduroy jacket, and but for a
0: long time comedy fans, I want them to know this is a big deal in '74 because the country is just coming out of the Watergate.
2: Well, and also the Vietnam War was happening. Saigon hadn't fallen, so so there's still guys were still in you know fighting the war in, in Vietnam, and I just
0: got out of the service, so yeah. it, was, it was still America was still very churned up, you yeah. know. And, so, you, and, and there was much more socially aware comedians back then, doing important, uh, you know, statements as well as as punchlines. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I don't. <laughs> Paul,
1: Paul Mooney, Paul Mooney.
2: You always say you know, Paul well, Mooney. Mooney, you know, he he kicked the bucket. I mean, he done. He, he, he really, uh, I don't mean he kicked it, but he died, but uh, Paul kicked it out more than anybody that I ever saw. Yeah. He'd wait to the end of the night and blow everybody out. He didn't care if yeah. it was uh, the staff played out there, if the ties were out there, he would perform.
0: Well, by the time I got here in 76, we would close down the Westwood Club at 1 o'clock and race over to watch Paul do yeah. the last hour. Paul, but don't, the, don't shortchange yourself because you have never seen a, a comic with, with Tim Thomerson's stage presence. You would stand up there. I mean, it's just something God gave you. You would, stand, <laughs> yeah, you would stand up there, and you could do anything you wanted, and the crowd would love you, and they would laugh. And at your set pieces, they would just fall over. I mean, you were the only guy that could follow Pryor. Nobody will ever talk about yeah, that. Was that tough duty. I, was, I, uh, I was there every night.
2: But uh, Well, following Richard was an honor. I mean, he, he was certainly a, a comedy hero. You know, he and Jonathan Winters and and, and Robin also, you know, God bless those guys. But uh, uh, just being in, Richard was so good to us, to all of us. Yeah. He gave us jobs and he got us in the movies and, and, and he was, his, his generosity was, was unbelievable. So it was always a pleasure to just be in the room with him. Yeah. And just to hang around him and be, be with Richard, you know, yeah, totally genius.
0: Unbelievable. But, uh, but you were the, you were the king of the hop here. And well, well, I, he you were, so, what you was know? that like? What was that like? because everywhere Tim Thomson went everybody always Tim no, I never, you were Conrad Birdie okay <laughs> oh, you were
2: um I, yeah, I I don't know how to answer that I mean how, how do you uh, who, who's on the show tonight uh, <laughs> uh I don't uh I, I you got me you got me there I don't know uh I was just this guy from San Diego who showed up. Who did a great Bronson. You know who did a pretty good Bronson and uh, do your you know, Bronson. No, I don't. Do, do I me. dug seventeen tunnels with my face. Anyway, than this, I, I'd say. how about how about Bronson say at McDonald's? I like thirty-five quarter pounders, <laughs> a large order of fries, and. You don't have any burritos, do you? <laughs> that pisses me off. <laughs> I can't even remember my ass. No, uh, I pulled it up the other day on the on the YouTube machine there and uh well I was uh <laughs> I had some I was wearing some pretty weird clothes. I had a disco shirt out the bear. And uh yeah. I still have that same hairpiece though. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> But anyway, uh, well, you know, to answer that question that that you asked me, what was it like to be Tim Thomerson? It, it's it's still weird to be Tim Thomerson. You yeah. know? <laughs> and then driving around in the Greater Los Angeles area today, uh, because Sam already. But for, for,
0: uh, for as long as as you've not stand up, two months ago we had the uh, memorial for the great Mitzi Shore, you know, who, who founded the comedy store for us, seventy five on, and. Tim got up for five minutes in the main room. After all these comics doing TV, had been doing their hip, slick, and cool stuff. You went up there and you just brought the house down.
2: Well, you you know you helped me out too because you know how nervous I get. I get get nervous on these deals. You know, sitting here talking about this. this I reminded this you, who you, you know, Mister. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, we'll get out of the way. I've been on this mountaintop for three days now with little Billy here, and hell, you know, I've done some things I ain't too proud of. I, uh, I'm, I'm playing to that camera, right,
0: or have you played with these people? No. Uh, but uh, the audience was always your best friend, Timmy. No, they were. Well, you know, it, it, they were great
2: audiences, and, and those were great times because it, it, even though the the country was heated up like it's not heated up today. <laughs> But uh, it, it was heated up back then, you know. And then, then all everybody who came through here—David and, and, and Richard and Robin and, and those magical knights up there was Sandra Bernhardt. and I mean, the talent that came through this place was incredible. Yeah, you know, yeah. you included. That and, was and, the
0: problem with that HBO series—is they? The, 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 the I'm laughing up here. Uh, laughing I, laughing I, I, I I've everything. never
2: seen. I don't know. I don't. I only want keep the Western channel on. It just and, had and
0: average kind of actors, and, actors playing <laughs> us. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, man!
2: There were no the average people out in that parking lot back in the exactly.
0: 70s, man. No, no, There was no <laughs> charisma out the yin-yang.
2: <laughs> no, there was a lot of nefarious things going on. Because in back then, things.
0: Mitzi Shore would select comics, not by how many laughs you got on stage on open mic night. She would select you by your charisma. And then she'd send us over to Westwood to develop the you act. You
2: tuned these guys up. I mean, you and Sam, and then when Jimmy Carry showed up, I mean, uh, there were, I watched Sam develop that whole, you ruined my life, you ruined my life! You know, and I said, Saw him do that the first time ever, and the first time I saw Carrie, I I just I couldn't believe it. I said, "This guy just transformed into a praying mantis," you
0: know. Unbelievable!
2: Unbelievable! <laughs> the guy really did, you know. And, and uh, so the talent that 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 she had an eye for, and and, uh, and I got to hand it to Polly too, you know. He had, he had some some big wavos you know. He, he she made him earn his spurs, and he did it all on his own too. I so I I, I champion him for that, you know. Yeah, I got to give him a. Uh, yeah, he had, had to, go, he had to that. go to the Laugh Factory to get yeah. totally poly. You know, it, it, he wouldn't it, give him the time it, But, you know, that, that's how... That, that's a good mom. Yeah. You know, because you don't want to be... uh You want to guide your children. You don't want to be a friend to your children. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Well, you took off from the comedy store in the early 80s and started doing TV. And, well, and I started learning.
2: working in all these weird... You know, like in the 70s, I was a disco guy on TV. And then in the early 80s, I started getting Vietnam guys and... Then, then, uh, then, in somewhere in somewhere in the late '80s, I became a sci-fi guy. Yeah, so I started doing all these weird sci-fi things. So then. Uh yeah, I played. Try, try to play as many different characters as I possibly could because I had.
1: Show business, are you fucking nosing me? This is streaming live, Kinnison. I hear you. No, I feel your fucking pain. No, seriously,
2: I had to work so much and do so many shitty movies around the world that uh, so I could raise my son. Uh, but anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry, I lost it there for a minute.
0: <laughs> that is Jim Thomerson, ladies and gentlemen. But so now, what are you doing? Uh, I
2: try to. Uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really funny and stupid, but I, I try to surf as much as I possibly can before yeah. I uh, can't move anymore. So yeah. I, I go and look at the, the surf almost every day, and then if it's small enough to paddle out, I'll paddle out. And anyway. you'll
0: hang out with Letterman when he comes to town? Uh, I, I go
2: skiing with Dave. We'll go c- c- skiing a couple times a year. Yeah. And uh, I haven't skied in a couple of years though because my back blew out or I had to have a back operation. But uh, I had dinner with him. But, but we text and talk yeah. once in a while. But there,
0: there was just a, a group of guys about the same age, you and Letterman, George Sp- Miller, Spoon. Dreesen, Witherspoon. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you, you really looked out for us younger guys when we came up. you know? Well, you know, you—well,
2: no, no, nobody was looking out for us. Because yeah. the, the, the demarcation from the Jackie Gales and the Corbett Monicas and the Jack Carter, Jack Carter, even though Jack Carter was a good guy, yeah. great guy, but there was no Sammy Sammy Shore was good to the young guys. Yeah. But, you know, and I, I, I experienced this back east when I lived in New York. Is that Sandy Barron and all the, remember Broadway Danny Rose? Sure, sure. Okay, the opening of that. Remember all those old comics sitting around? And saying, I got to you know, write Danny Rose story for you. Yeah. Well, all those comics, Will Jordan and those guys, but Will Jordan, he was, he was good to me. Those guys, they didn't embrace the young guys so quickly, yeah. you know. Because they, they were the guys then, right? So then we came along, and then you all, younger folks, came along. And then, so we tried to shepherd each other through this, you know, because, yeah. you know, this business, and as you guys know, this is not an easy business. Today.
0: Well, the truth is, I was at my very first party. Up at uh, Fort Bursky on, on
2: Fort Bursky, uh, <laughs> up on oh, North Laurel,
0: about a about a month or two in uh, <laughs> in L.A. and I would just gotten hired at the door and Alan right. Bursky <laughs> and Helen and, and this whole group of comedy store comics were at this party at the Bursky's house, and uh, this guy made me feel like I belonged. Um, I I never told you this, but Biff Maynard again came up to me and he said, Argus, this is at the party. He said, I hear you hang out at the Polo Lounge. (laughs) Who's that named after? Marco Polo. And I said, uh, no, Biff, it's, it's named after Genghis Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Genghis Lounge? He ran over and told you, and then you ran around and told everybody at the party that I'd Biff, and suddenly I was cool. That's, uh, that's good, yeah.
2: I have no memory of that, but I'll I,
0: I, 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 <laughs> I make it up.
2: <laughs> that was quite a place, Fort Burski. That was... Uh...
0: Yeah, this was a, an apartment complex, <laughs> an amazing... a block north of Sunset. On it was Park. right up, right
2: above the last stop, right above Greenblatt, right? above,
0: above Greenblatt. Right? Yeah. And we had about maybe about 15 comedians, uh, oh, a Lawrence Welk singer, uh, a middle-aged white pimp, four <laughs> <laughs> coke dealers, and two orchestra conductors. Whatever group did Rosanna and Rosanna Arquette.
2: <laughs> was Rosanna Arquette living there? Yeah,
0: yeah. Are you kidding me? not kidding at all.
2: I wonder why I never got in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, and I'm these were it. these were golden times, and that—that uh, that, that I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. but you—you you reigned over it, and we had times we'll never forget. And, uh, and I'm telling you, we're going to have you back, and we're going to talk some more about. Well, good because the,
2: the the first oh, couple of minutes of this thing, I couldn't remember my name. Once the kid told me you're streaming live, the Marine Corps over there. Well,
0: <laughs> you were always best live, and you're always welcome here, Timmy. Well, thank you, sir. Nice to have you here, Tim Thomas. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, hey, we're going to be right back with a funny man, a real headliner, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Gaither. Stay tuned. A real, real headliner. I'm so glad we're able to get him for this show. We had uh, Tim Thomerson, and now we have the one and only Tim Gaither ladies and gentlemen. Nice to have you.
1: Thanks
0: for having me. You You are, you're no doubt a really headliner on the road. Tell me where you've been performing. Uh, I was just in Plano at Hyenas,
3: which is a nice little chain. They've got one in Dallas, Fort Worth, and uh, Plano.
0: How many minutes do they have you do? About 50. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like to talk about?
3: Um, it's always got to have a grain of truth to it in order for it to be funny for me. Um, so that's mainly where I where I, my stuff comes from. I usually write most of my best stuff on stage. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, I sit down and try to write and all that stuff, but I'm not like, like you seem to be able to just come up with jokes, all the all the time that work. And the stuff that I write down does okay yeah. but mainly it's the stuff that I just come up with on stage and I try to remember just to do it that way every time.
0: I, I, do, th- I do that uh, writing you're talking about just to stay busy I have the same experience. Anything yeah. I say on stage twice as good as anything I can put right. on. Yeah. So you slowly build an act and there's a second act and a third act. Yeah. How and many showtime specials do you do?
3: And like you, you just keep uh, like I tell people all the time I had 30 minutes for like 10 years because you'd write something better and then you're like, well I can't in good conscience keep doing that piece of crap when <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I've got this. Yeah. You know. So then so then you take away this piece of crap and you stick in a better bit, but then you know, and then your thirty minutes just keep getting tighter and tighter and it's one crap after the yeah. next. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well what what kind of crap are you talking about now?
3: Um well I'm gonna have a kid in three months. Wow. Hey, uh, congratulations. Yeah. Um yeah, a little boy. I'm very excited about it. Um, ever since I found out it was going to be a, a little boy, I've had a lot less anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think a little girl would drive me into a into prison or an early grave, one of the two. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about that. But I've been talking about that a little bit um, on stage. But it, it's funny. People have been asking me for almost 20 years now what I talk about on stage. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just... Uh, you know.
0: Well, where were you born and raised?
3: I was born in Arkansas. I lived there till I was about five, and I grew up in Kansas City.
0: Where in Arkansas? Uh,
3: it was a place called Camden. Camden is where I was born, and then I lived in a place called Hampton till I was about five, and then I grew up in Kansas City and started comedy. And oh, that's right. Yeah. Kansas City. Yeah.
0: You know, my uh, my mother had labor pains with me in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. And this is true. Daddy drove over 80 miles. An hour across the border, <laughs> so I would not be born in Arkansas. <laughs> like Oklahoma's an upgrade. Right, yeah,
3: I don't blame them. Um, when I was a kid, we didn't even have, uh, I mean, I went to school in, in Kansas City, but we didn't even have kindergarten. They just pushed you straight to first grade wow. in, in Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what that says about the education system. but <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did they give you a lot of grief
3: about your accent when you were a little kid? Uh, Yeah, I got in some trouble with it when I was about five. I remember saying, yes, ma'am, and the teacher thought I was being a (laughs) smartass. And I got in trouble for it. And uh, I remember going home and telling my mom I got in trouble for saying, yes, ma'am. And where I grew up, if you didn't say, yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, that's what got you in trouble. So to get in trouble for saying it was just... More than my five year old brain could handle. And uh, my, my mom wrote her this letter and said, That's how we talk where I'm from. And I don't understand why that's, you think that's disrespectful. And that was the only time that kindergarten teacher was nice to me was after that.
0: Uh, <laughs> your first introduction to the Yankee world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, what are your career plans right now? What do you plan on doing?
3: You know, I I love um I love what I'm doing. I'm on the road probably 25 30 weeks a year. Yeah. Which are they're not full weeks, you know, it sounds a lot more than it is, but you know, weeks these days are Thursday through Saturday or Sunday. So yeah. that gives you time to be home. Yeah, I go I'm I'm on the road probably about 10 week 10 days a month and I find that if I don't get to do 45 50 an hour at least 10 or 12 times a month, I go a little crazy. Sure. You know, um it, it's, and it's a, big, it's a big adjustment going from the road where you do 45 to an hour to back here where 15, 20 is the maximum set you're gonna yeah. get. People would think that would be easier, but it's no. actually harder because I have, to, I have to edit so much stuff and 10, 10 15 minutes goes so fast. Um, That's the biggest challenge for me is coming back here, but it's good to flex both of those.
0: Do you like to work out new material in Los Angeles at the clubs? Yes, and especially the Comedy Store
3: and especially late night. Like I've been working on a lot of stuff at the Comedy Store, especially late night, that if I ever get famous, it's going to be hilarious. Right. And right now, it just kind of gets me stared at. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but when you're famous, you get that little extra bump, you know? Like, yeah. like I heard a story about Sam Kennison. How he was in uh, La Jolla at the Comedy Store doing all the same material, and they were just staring at him like he was teaching them math or something. Uh-huh. And then... He did that five minutes on HBO and came back to La Jolla and was destroying, mm-hmm. and he went behind stage and told somebody, he was like, I'm doing the exact same shit. They're just okay with it now because I've got five minutes on HBO. So <clears throat> so a lot of this stuff I'm working on, I'm like, I know that's good, and, and it, it gets last, especially late at night, but... Right now, I try to test it out on the road, and they're like, "Yeah, you're not quite famous enough." To do that <laughs> well,
0: you know, yeah. Gary Gary Shandling had the best line on that. He said, "The great thing about being famous is you don't have to open with your best joke." Yeah, Wow, that's a good point. And. Uh... Did you know Shanling very well? Yeah, yeah. He he was a Mitzi starved him. Mitzi made him wait six years to become regular. Really? Yeah. And then once he was a regular, he was ready to guest host the Tonight Show. Yeah, I, I watched
3: that documentary, that four hour, or I think it was even longer than that. Yeah. It, it was it was awesome, and I love the part where him and Seinfeld come up here, and and uh, Shanley is like, ah, I don't wanna to come to the comedy store, it's got, it's got that weird feeling, it makes me feel weird, and, and Seinfeld's like, yeah, I know, I get that too, let's just go in, and, and I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, everybody gets that way, <laughs> even those guys, you know, because I've been doing this for a living now for 18 years, and, and I'll headline A rooms, and they'll come back here, and when they say, Oh, you're second, I'm like okay, but in my head I'm like, huh? Shit. <laughs> like I've never done it a day in my life, at least for a few minutes, and then yeah. I'm like, just relax and do what you do. But and you it, always kill here. You always kill. Well, thanks. Crowd. I I, uh, I don't know about always, but I every time I've seen you. Well, thanks, man. <laughs> no uh, prisoners. That means a lot to me. It really does. You you have no idea how much you've influenced me without you and I ever really talking all that much. Not that we've never talked, but. Like, I quit drinking about eight years ago, Uh and, you know, you were a big influence on that, you know, just because I watched from afar, like, "Eh, that guy, you know, you certainly got to party and have the best of both worlds because now you've been sober all this time but you've got some great stories
0: well I, I learned that alcohol is not the answer but it was always my first guess <laughs> yeah it, it was
3: uh <laughs> it was getting out of, out of hand for me like i could drink almost a fifth of captain morgan by myself sure and it's always funny. The model for Captain
0: Morgan has about 21 years sobriety. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. And, and uh, I always say, you wonder why comedians are screwed up. Look, it takes a different personality to stand in front of strangers yeah. and demand love, affection, and laughter every 15 seconds on cue. Yeah. I always say, don't don't feel badly about being addicted to this, that, and the other, and being a I say, funny isn't free. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a great point.
3: Um, I even a few years ago, I was going through, uh, speaking of nerves, um, it's actually been a couple years ago. I'd been doing it for 16 years of living, for a living at this point, and all of a sudden, I was getting just anxiety like you wouldn't believe. Like, yeah. days in advance before I would go on the road, and I was like, what the hell is going on with me? Am I going to have to quit doing this? And uh, I read something or something that just dawned on me. It was like, this isn't life or death. You know, like it feels like it sometimes, but it's not, you know, like even if they stare at you for 15 minutes and you don't get a laugh at all, it sucks,
1: yeah. but
3: it's not going to kill you, you know, <laughs> and something, I don't know where I read that, but, and I read about people that go through that, like baseball players that forget to get throw thrown first and all this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. My friend Alan Havey, who you probably know, yeah, sure. um, he confided in me one night, he was like, yeah, hey, I went through that in my early 40s and uh, finally went away, but. Hearing that and seeing those Shandling episodes and and all those kind of things, it always makes me feel better about that. And even hearing that Richard Pryor, like you guys were talking about, how nervous he used to get sometimes, I'm like, it's just natural.
0: Here's a mantra you can say to yourself for that situation. Okay. Uh, To whoever it was that stole my Paxil, (laughs) I hope you're happy now. (laughs) (laughs) And suddenly, it's not about you anymore. You go kill that crowd like you were born to kill it.
3: Yeah, yeah. And it's funny too how crazy anxious you can be, and then as soon as they say your name, it's like you don't got time for that crap. It's over. You know, like you, you just—I wrestled my whole life, and it's almost like when they blow the whistle, it's like you don't got time to be nervous. You're gonna get your ass kicked. <laughs> well,
0: I—I I, I found out. <laughs> I found out that. Uh, Sometime, sometime around ten or fifteen years of sobriety, I found out that the stage is the one place I'm happiest. Yeah. It's the one place I can love and be loved in equal amounts. Yeah. And so I found that my anxiety before going on stage is, I just don't want to forget that new material I wanted to share with them. Yeah. That's what my concern is now. Yeah. I just so I'll, I'll bring notes out there, but that doesn't mean I'm going to look, look at them. Right. It doesn't mean I'm going to happen to you know, focus do, on the right. Do you ever get that? That feeling where, where right
3: when you your, your set will be going along fine, and then you start to go into something new, and you can feel your heart beating a little
0: faster, and your throat tightening up a little bit. Does that ever still happen to you? Whenever I try to do something on the news to millennials. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not about the Kardashians. It's not about drugs. It's not about race. And they're going slow down. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I've been talking about some stuff lately that is, that's a little when they're when they're younger they don't. I've got a joke I've been doing about the Bible, and uh, I realize how many younger people have not read the Bible. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's why they're staring at you, you jackass. They don't know anything about the Bible, you know? <laughs> now, that's funny, it's, especially in between New York and L.A. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. You expect that would kill there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Midwest, and then they, and then you get the older crowds there they are like, oh, I don't know if it's okay to laugh at that, you yeah, know, yeah. that kind of stuff, which is... You guys are talking a little bit about Kenneth Center. We were talking about him. Um, that was the first guy that I watched that made me laugh at things I knew I wasn't supposed to be laughing at. <laughs> you know, like I was raised Southern Baptist, yeah. and he was talking about Jesus getting nailed with the cross and all that stuff. and. and he would was, say Jesus would be up in heaven and he would say yeah i'll
0: come back yeah you know as soon as i can play the piano again <laughs> <laughs> yeah all that stuff and about knowing I it door
1: and a whistle in <laughs> <through> my hand <laughs> oh
3: he took no prison. yeah and the stuff about the sand you see this you see what it is it's a sand you know it's going to be a hundred years it's
1: going to be sand
3: you live <laughs> in the desert you go to is. i was crying i was like 11 years old crying and i was like I'm not supposed to be laughing at this, Mm -hmm. but it's so funny, I can't help it. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's, to me, still the funniest Mm -hmm. stuff, is the stuff you're not supposed to be talking about and still get laughs about it. When does
0: that stuff occur to you to share to the audience? At what point? When you're just daydreaming, or exercising, or or, or on stage?
3: A lot of times it's on stage um, that I'll get If You get a real friendly crowd, you know you can go anywhere with them. Yeah, yeah. Especially like... Like I like to open up real strong for about the first fifteen minutes, especially on the road. Yeah, and then, insurance. Yeah, and then let them know I'm funny and all that, and then start getting into stuff exactly. that really means something to me. But it's a huge art form to be able to talk about things that matter and still get laughs. Like, because if you're not doing that, you're just on a soapbox, and nobody wants to hear that shit. Like, yeah. you have to be funny with it. Like Bill Hicks. That was he's the biggest reason I started doing comedy. Yeah, and. The stuff he talked about—the Kennedy assassination and George Bush Part One—and all that stuff—it was so freaking funny. But a lot of people tried to do that. It seemed like this this guy that I was that influenced me a lot when I was starting out. he's a Booker. He wasn't a comic. He was like Bill Hicks. Almost ruined comedy because so many people tried to be like him. Yeah. And they couldn't because there's only one. You know, there's only a handful of guys that can that can do that.
0: Well, if you read Rich Scheidner's book about stand-up comedy, have you read it? I have not. Because he's on the road a lot with uh, Bill in the early 90s. Okay. Yeah. And he paid the price. He stayed up till six, six thirty every morning, honing that stuff out. And you try it out on your fellow comics, and you finally get. He would do it every single night. He worked his tail off to get it that good. Really. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I helped kidnap him from his father in 1980, and, and had him stay up at Crest Bill Hicks. Yeah, wow. Yeah, he he was a little, he was a little what you call the mascot of the Kennison gang back in Houston. Okay. He was the first to come out here. Okay. They'd seen me and Ollie Joe perform at a Showtime uh, competition in Houston in late '79. They decided they were going to come out. Okay. And and Bill was the first one. And his father didn't know it. He ran away from home. And Mitzi put him up in Crest Hill, and nobody said a word. But, but wow. at the time, he drove Mitzi crazy on stage as a doorman because he would just pause for like eight seconds <laughs> before his next thought. Yeah. And she would say, say something, you know. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he started talking faster.
3: Yeah, well, he. I was in college, and... Getting ready to graduate, or I was getting ready to enter the school of education. I was going to teach and coach wrestling because I didn't know what else to do. Yeah, and that sounds gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. This is very politically
1: incorrect.
3: Well, I was going to teach and coach wrestling. I didn't know what else to do. And the closer I the got, Priest to, was uh, out. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the uh, closer I got to entering the school of education, I started having all this anxiety about it. And my friend was like, "You got to listen to this CD," and it was Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. And I went to the counselor and my major the next day. I was like I'm gonna be a comedian. I was like that's the funniest guy I've never I've ever heard and, I've, and at that point I had never heard of him which means I can do this for a living even if I never get famous and I changed my major the next day and my counselor was like I was like I'm gonna be a comedian but I got all these credits I might as well get a degree. Yeah. She's <laughs> like we well, can get a social science degree next semester. I was like sign that's me good. up sister I'll take one of those. Where did you first uh, start your open mic night? In Kansas City at Stanford and Sons, oh, was that, that? was a good club. It was an it? awesome club. Was it about
0: 300 seater or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
3: and it was perfect. It had the low ceilings and it was just the white right width. I never uh, heard about that. Very similar to the uh, OR. Yeah, yeah. It had this black and white check stage and a stage you could lean on, mm-hmm. a wall back that you could lean on, and. To this day I, I like a stage I can lean against.
0: Well to to close up, if if you're gonna start doing, say, showtime specials and force yourself to come up with a new hour every year. Yeah. Uh, what club would you probably wanna uh, show it in or shoot it in?
3: Um probably here. Probably I here. would think, yeah. Yeah. It's
0: the club in LA. Yeah. Um and the Comedy Magic Club is great too. Yeah, lots yeah, of great, great times there and it was opened with Mitzi's blessing. She went down to see Mike Lacey and, and, and was there for the grand opening. Really? She loved it. She, huh. she did what she could to help Mike. Awesome. And she gives me a lot of hope. There's 23 in
3: place. Yeah. So, you know, that's not super young to be to, – to to start out the way she did and yeah. and end up the way she was. I mean, a freaking legend. So. so we all owe
0: everything to Mitzi Shore. We agree to yeah. that. Yeah. So Tim's so glad. To you. Yeah, it's great. And all you And all you folks go out and see Tim when he comes to your town, and we'll look for you soon on Showtime right. and on Comedy yeah. Central. Okay. That's
3: good. Thanks, guys. Tim Gaither,
0: ladies hey. Yay! 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 Fantastic. 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 Well, that's our show for tonight. But tune in next Tuesday. We've got a great show already. Right.